Whatever you're telling yourself, your subconscious is going to be scanning your environment for proof that that statement is true. And so if I'm telling myself I'm not cut out to be their mom, everywhere I look, I'm going to find proof that that is true. And that's just going to spin me into a dark, dark place. That's not good for anybody. And it's totally based on something that isn't even, it's, it's a lie. And so my intention would then be, I am a good mom. I am the perfect mom for them, whatever it is. And I put it in my phone. I write it on my arm. I write it on my mirror. I put it in my car. I I write it on 10 post-it notes. I get muscle memory going. I get into my body. I'm writing it with my arm so that it's, I am telling my brain, this matters, this matters, this matters. Like, I know it sounds crazy to repeat things that many times, but once your reticular activation system is absorbing this thing is important to joy we scan the environment for proof that you can do this that this is beautiful then you're going to have your subconscious helping you to lean into a more healthy whole motherhood alongside your children Welcome to the Homeschool Compass Podcast, a show that's all about finding confidence in community and help in the wisdom of those who've gone before. I'm your host, Amy Otto, and I'm so excited for you to hear from our guest today, Joy Proudy. Joy and her husband homeschool their seven children on a tiny island off the coast of Washington. And along with being a mother, Joy is a creative, a photographer, a filmmaker, a mentor, and a teacher. You'll see in this conversation what a gift she has for inviting women into vulnerability and helping them experience transformation and healing. She has written a wonderful book to guide us as mothers in showing up fully in our real, everyday, messy lives letting go of the pursuit of perfection and being fully present to the memories that are unfolding all around us with our kids. Her book is called Practicing Presence, a mother's guide to savoring life through the photos you're already taking. And it is not just a photography book, it really is an invitation to greater freedom and greater healing. This is what our friend Leah Bowden, who was with us on episode 24 of the Homeschool Compass podcast, has to say about Joy's book. Practicing presence speaks to us through powerful writing and shows us through Joy's incredible images and poetry what it truly means to be alive. Joy's inspiring stories and moving method of communication speak right to the heart. This book had me not only believing in myself again, but grabbing for my camera. This much-anticipated and welcome work is something I'll be buying for every budding, blooming, and hidden creative I know. I highly recommend. I hope you'll pick up a copy and enjoy it as I have been. But for now, please enjoy this conversation with Joy Proudy. Welcome to the Homeschool Compass podcast, Joy. I'm so honored to get to spend this time with you. Thank you, Amy. I'm so glad to be here. I have been loving your new book, Joy. It is so rich. You touch on so many different areas. It's a little bit memoir, a little bit poetry, 
photography, practical tips, neuroscience. It's such a rich read. You've managed to do so much. So I'm so excited for our audience to get to dive into the book and for people to get to know you. But right here at the beginning, would you introduce us to yourself a little bit and tell us about your family? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, my name is Joy Proudy, and we have seven children. My husband's name is Donnie, and he is their main homeschool teacher. So I get to observe and infuse uh, my creativity into that. But he really has he has so much more patience than I do. And <laughs> he also a wonderful sense of adventure. So it's a joy to be able to do what I do, you know, writing and taking pictures. And I have a fire in me that just refuses to go out. And he has been such a wonderful support and, um, you know, handles the family uh, the majority of the time. Yeah. I, where, which direction do you want me to head into? <laughs> I know. That's so awesome. I know people will have a lot of questions about how that works. Have you been homeschooling since the beginning? Yes. So we have lived in a variety of different places and we have a unique setup where I have basically been remote, been able to work remote for the last decade. And our oldest child is 16. And it, at the beginning, we did do some preschool stuff, but then I was traveling all the time and we realized the way that we could be together would be if they came on the road with me. And so we went through a good season of our life where we all lived on the road together um, in a trailer with flowers painted on the side. And <laughs> we had a lot of fun during that time. Um, and I think that we fell in love with homeschooling because it gave us freedom that we had not experienced prior to that. And so we've done our best, you know, to see what were the things that we grew up with that made us feel limited. Um, we wanted our children to have the most expansive launching pad that they could and to be able, we really do child-led learning in our family where there's a lot of creativity happening and there's a lot of video stuff that we do as a family and each of our older kids is really into our oldest is into animation and then we have another child that loves to build things and record that and so we're doing our best to nurture the things that they are into and then infusing them with skills that we've learned as entrepreneurs to hopefully empower them um, for the path ahead is that helpful. Does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. That's so awesome. I love that picture of a wide, expansive launching pad. That's that's such the beauty of homeschooling, right? We have so much freedom yes. to do that. Yeah. So we're settled now. We're not living on the road. We live um, in the San Juan Islands in Washington. And so for this season coming up for our family as, as homeschoolers is we are diving into all of the history and the geography and the geology and the sea and uh, we went on a bioluminescent kayaking tour last week and so we're learning about things that have previously been a mystery to us about nature that's this next season as homeschooling so that's fun <laughs> oh that's really exciting yeah do your yeah. days have kind of a rhythm to them well, we need structure um, that's necessary. And also it's really important that we build in 
time for my husband to be able to be alone and to do the things he cares about and for me to be able to work. And so we have like a block schedule. Um, we also pair the kids up so that they're helping each other because we have, you know, we have 16 down to two. And so we have found ways for everyone to um, learn independently and together. But so it's like, we do have a schedule, but it's very flexible. It's more just during this two hour block of time, this is gonna be happening and then we switch. And so, but there's flexibility within that plan. <laughs> I know people are gonna be really interested in that. Did your husband always start out as the primary person or is that something that changed over time? He's always been the main homeschooler. It's unique, you know, I wish there was more support for dads that are homeschooling because it is very isolating. It can be because he really relates to more of um, stay at home moms than dads. And I think there is a need that hopefully in the future there will be more support for dads that are homeschooling. Yeah, I totally agree. My husband and I are kind of 50-50 at this point. So he is usually doing school type things with the kids in the morning and then in the afternoons I take over and he goes and does his his own work but but yeah sometimes it's tricky when you want to go to the playground and meet up with all the homeschoolers and you're the only guy and it's a bunch of women there so that can be <laughs> tricky but yeah sounds like your husband's finding his, his way there too I think the more fun that we can have together the better you know we just do our best not to take ourselves too seriously or the schooling as you know we try if we find ourselves stiffening up and finding that it is feeling constricting we always reevaluate and figure out what needs to shift mm, i love that well i want people to hear more about your book joy it's called practicing presence a mother's guide to savoring life through the photos you're already taking and in your book you talk so beautifully so powerfully about your own story and how this practicing presence seems like it almost came about out of necessity. You were just in this dark place and this is something that saved your life. I don't know if it's too dramatic to say it that way, <laughs> but it really felt like that in the book. Like, wow, this changed everything for you. It changed how you do your business. It changed how you experience motherhood. It changed how you relate to God. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Thank you. Yeah, I... I really appreciate earlier when you were talking about how I've taken this and woven in this and the neuroscience and the create. And so it was, it was just really wonderful to hear you say it all together because I think as a creative person, I think for a lot of mothers, <clears throat> we have so many, like we're like an octopus. We have so many, we have our hand in so many things. And, you know, I'm really interested in why we are the way we are. And so that's why neuroscience is really interesting to me. And that's this tentacle. And then I have this other tentacle that's a poet. I love words. And then also, you know, sometimes the only way I can describe something is to take a picture of it, um, because sometimes words are hard for me. And other people don't always understand what I'm trying to say. And so I would take a picture and that would be a salve for that. So it's, it is a gift to have all of those 10 things I've put my hand in and like meshed together to create the practice of presence for myself. And I put all that into this book. And so in a way it feels really grounding to have 
all of the things that I could never make sense of to other people before all in one place in a way where I can say, hey, here's where I started. And these are the things that I realized and this is how it can help you. And I think for, for so many of us, we're trying to figure things out. And so it's a gift to be able to hopefully help people to learn how to do this too. Okay, so you were saying it saved my life. I think any practice that we can take on that can get us to move from trying to make sense of things in our mind to actually feeling the sensory experience of being alive in our bodies, to move from being disembodied to being embodied, that will save any of our lives. Because living in your head is a recipe for, it's not gonna end well. <laughs> and, um, and so photography gave me something to focus on. You know, I talk a lot in the book about how the camera is our attention flashlight. We point it at the things that matter to us, that we're saying this thing is worthy. Not only is this thing worthy of being seen, but my perspective is worthy of being seen. And I think a lot of us moms right now are doing the work of trying to learn to regulate our emotions and to model that for our kids. And the more tools that we can have to do that, the more joy and peace and actually being able to be present, we'll be able to have in our bodies with our kids. And photography is something all of us are already doing. And yes, like for me to have something to focus on during really dark seasons is necessary. I think all of us are doing it in different ways, but we are using our cameras. And so I wanted to take that practice deeper for people to be able to enact in their own lives and not have to be professional photographers like me. Um, does that make sense of it a little? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I'm like getting choked up hearing you, Joy, and I was getting choked up reading the book. I was getting choked up thinking about this conversation. And I don't <laughs> tend to be like a big crier. I'm definitely more of a thinker, like you were saying, like operating in my head. But I feel like you just invite us to get in touch with that place. And it's so beautiful. I was thinking as I was reading about some of the pictures that I have from my own childhood and how precious they are to me. And just there's this one in particular where I'm probably like four years old and I have these curls all over my head, like a little Shirley Temple. And I have this like bright red bathing suit with a big Tweety bird on it. And I'm in our backyard at the swing set. And I probably had just learned to like pump my legs myself and do the swing all by myself. And there's this look of complete joy on my face. And that photo is so precious to me because it really brings me back to a moment in time where, you know, I was just totally free and totally at peace, experiencing so much joy. And as we grow up as women and we experience so much rejection and disappointment and pain that all of us go through those photographs really can take us back to a place where I just think about my mom smiling as she was taking that picture and oh. God smiling on us and just knowing that I was loved and held in that moment and 
I'm loved and held still. Like it, it just makes such a difference having those moments captured. So thank you for reminding us of that. Oh, Amy, that is so beautiful. And I think, well, I love that you have that picture, you know, because it meant someone noticed that it was important that you have it. And I think what you're talking about when you look at this picture, like when you look at that picture of yourself is like, if you could put it into one word, like what, what did little Amy embody that grown Amy desperately wishes to embody now? I think it's the freedom that stands out to me. That's like captured in that image. Yes. I I feel the same way. You know, I think it's interesting because I think if what I'm doing now with a lot of my clients, since you're talking about this, let's just jump right into this is I have had a couple times in the last year, I've been doing these sessions called self-validation sessions where I basically stand witness to women choosing to show up for themselves, to experience what it is to be vulnerable for themselves and have it be documented. So they have proof of that presence um, without having to put on a show or, you know, look perfect in any way or be pleasing or polite. They could just, feel however they feel. And I had one woman come to me and then another and another with these pictures from their childhood of them embodying different sorts of freedom like you're talking about. And then so we made images of this grown version of that childlike image, like the same posture that was the child embodied, the same energy, trying to really look and say, what what was the feeling there? Can we access that? Can we get into that deepest childlike place where holiness is found? You know, I, I believe the most The most important thing that we can do is to get in touch with who we are at the deepest part so that we can get to know who that is because there's a lot that has been armored up and oftentimes we avoid looking at pictures of ourselves now because it we don't see that freedom we see actually the mask that we're putting on for other people. And if we look long enough at it, we see that the pictures we are willing to look at of ourselves will transform us if we let it. If we really look at this picture, instead of looking away and think, what is it that makes it so hard for me to look? What is it there? And we're journaling or we're praying or whatever it is about just diving in sitting with that instead of numbing out on our phones or trying to get the best angle with the best light like we're gonna remember that it didn't feel authentic and that's gonna feel way worse than actually showing up as our true selves yes i know i have had so many times where i'll be going through my day you know i'm washing dishes i'm helping the kids and then i'll walk by a mirror and i'll see my hair is all disheveled and I've got gray hairs here and my skin is wrinkly and I'm like, oh my gosh, is that what I really look like? Because in my head, I have this picture of 15 years ago, maybe or something. And, but that is the way I really look to my kids who love me. And 
that is the reality. So to be able to be present to that with love and with compassion and not with this judgmental, critical lens, it's hard work, I think, to get to that place. But like you're saying, it's so worth it. Yeah. And we can do it in small steps and small things. And you can make it a fun experience to um, to do alongside the children. You know, how do they see you? Put the camera in their hands. Ask them what they love about what they see in the picture that they've taken of you. And really listen, look in their eyes. Be in that moment. I talk in the book about how to experience a moment that is negative. It only takes one second for that to become a memory. But when you're experiencing something beautiful, like that experience, that connection with your child, if you are not in that moment undistracted for at least 20 seconds, it will not even become a memory on the in the brain. You won't even remember it. And so we have to slow down and listen to what our children are teaching us so that we can be fully in our bodies now who we are now and embrace that fully so that they when they look at pictures of us it doesn't look like someone else that they don't know yes that floored me what you're talking about about the 20 to 30 seconds for a positive memory to even register with our brains and i'm thinking about you know how social media has trained us to keep switching our attention like i don't even know if I do pay attention to hardly anything for 20 to 30 sustained, focused seconds. Well, and I think specifically for what you're talking about with being present with your kids, if what we're trying to do is model for them what it is to be a learner, the most interesting and important thing that we can learn is the layers that make up who we are how we have become who we are, why we react the way we do to certain things, why we feel certain negative ways about ourselves. If we sit with that and are willing to learn, which is really what self-compassion is, and we can start with the photographs, it can it can really change the way that our children see themselves. They can grow up feeling like they are worthy of being documented, whatever it is that looks like, how, whatever size they are, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you talk in your book about these presence principles of slowing down, you know, taking a deep breath, thinking, you know, what am I trying to capture with this photograph instead of just snapping, 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 or thinking like, oh, this has to be perfect. The lighting has to be just right. My kid isn't cooperating. You know, they're crying when I'm trying to get this very staged setup going. It's a totally different experience to just be present and slow down. Yes. So I have what's called the presence principle. It's kind of, it's a, it's a plan for becoming embodied and taking photographs that you really want to remember. And it's, there's four steps. And so the first step is slow down and breathe. So I think, I think the main goal of what we're doing here, it's to calm the mother, but also to create a family culture of what photography can be. And it can be a lot different than what we were raised thinking photographs are for. And especially with the culture with social media now, where it's like, 
who can be the most pleasing, it's just going to get harder and worse. <laughs> um, and so step one, when you feel activated. So Amy, let me just ask you, let, let's, let's actually put this into practice for you in your life. Can you tell me of a time when you're with your kids and you start to feel activated? Like you can kind of feel your heart quickening and you're like, if you were in a like maybe you might be like, ah, you know, there's like, oh, there's so much half. Like, is that a common feeling? Do you ever yes. feel that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, probably I mean, the thing that first comes to my mind is if I'm, you know, I'm sitting on the couch trying to read with my kids or something like that. And then in my mind, I'm thinking like, these are all the things I have to get done. I have to go change the laundry. I have to get dinner on the table. Like I have to hurry through this so that I can get to all the other things that are on my list. And then I feel my heart start pounding and that feeling like you're describing. Yes. Okay. So I would think that this feeling, let's identify this as anxiety. Does that sound okay? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it, I think the important thing to identify before we even jump fully into this is that the whole point of this is regulating the body to create experiences of joy. That's the goal. It really doesn't have anything to do with photography. The goal of it is not taking better pictures. Um, you can use this plan when you're planning on taking a picture, but the, the idea is you're changing the family culture so that you're not setting up uh, photo worthy moments. Instead, you're turning your life into an art. And then the photos are just proof that you are present in your life. And so that's the, the concept as we enter into this presence principle. Okay, so when you're feeling anxiety rise up in you as a mom, okay, totally normal. This happens to me 10 times a day. You have now, you have become disembodied in a sense. So instead of being in your body with all of your senses activated, like meaning you can, you have the ability to smell and see and feel and touch and be present. Like if you are in your body experiencing life as a sensory form, then it it is it can be something that you can grow from. But when you are living in your mind only, that is not a good place. So at least no positive memory making is going to happen there. Right. <laughs> so we have to become embodied. So when you feel the anxiety rise up, the first step is take a deep breath and regulate yourself <laughs> slow down you don't have to go so fast slow down and breathe now this can happen you can remove yourself and go into a different room if that's necessary if the energy of the children is like heightening the experience sometimes i put my headphones on um, you find out what works for you there's no shame there or you can just you know sometimes i'll tell my kids Mommy just needs a minute to breathe. You want to breathe with mommy? And so, you know, we breathe together and I'm, I have a specific breath work that I'm doing. You got to find what works for you. Sometimes it's, you know, box breathing is good. Find something that works, have something that you can go to. Okay. So once you have regulated and you're like, okay, I'm in my body again, the next thing that you're going to do is set an intention. Okay. So in that moment, Amy, when you're like feeling that, what, we have to figure out what the thing is that we're fighting against. What's the feeling that they're like, here's an example. Like, are you thinking this feels overwhelming or like, what is the over, like the negative thing that starts to like be said inside your head? 
Yeah, I think it might be like a combination of I don't have enough time to do what I need to do or what I think I need to do. And I'm not good enough, I think, is part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe a mixture of those two. Yeah, I would say that that's a pretty probably common thing that for me, I feel very similar. Like when I start to feel that I start to think, oh, this is just confirmation that I'm actually not cut out for being their mom. Um, That's the one I fight against. And so the intention that I it, it can be different for any experience. But for me, the one I have to always come back to is I was made to be their mom or mm. I, I am safe here or, you know, whatever it is, the intention is I am going to tell this this positive affirming statement i'm going to send this into the subconscious part of my brain it's all in my book it's called the reticular activation system it's basically the idea that whatever you're telling yourself your subconscious is going to be scanning your environment for proof that that statement is true and so if i'm telling myself i'm not cut out to be their mom everywhere i look i'm going to find proof that that is true and that's just going to spin me into a dark dark place that's not good for anybody and it's totally based on something that isn't even it's it's a lie and so my intention would then be i am a good mom i am the perfect mom for them whatever it is and i put it in my phone i write it on my arm i write it on my mirror i put it in my car i I write it on 10 post-it notes i get muscle memory going i get into my body i i'm writing it with my arm so that it's i am telling my brain this matters this matters this matters like i know it sounds crazy to repeat things that many times but once your reticular activation system is absorbing this thing is important to joy that we scan the environment or amy we scan the environment for proof that you can do this that this is beautiful then you're going to have your subconscious helping you to lean into a more healthy whole motherhood alongside your children okay are you still with me here yeah totally (laughs) okay so we have those two steps and i know i'm really drawing it out here and talking it it out but this is all happening very swiftly the goal is that this becomes the practice And so you're like, okay, I'm activated, breathe, get grounded, set my intention. Okay, so I know I'm in my body. I know what is important to me. I am here in this moment. I have become present now. My body and my mind and my spirit are aligned. And then you jump in, you get in the moment, you move your body, you you try to embody that freedom that you had in that picture when you were a child, move your body all there's so much research that points to how experiencing a moment in your muscles helps you to retain it in the brain, and you have to experience it for 20 seconds so maybe this is holding the face of your child and talking to them. Maybe it's turning on a song and dancing for 30 seconds. Maybe it's going outside and touching the grass with your bare feet. Whatever it is, you're getting sensory so that your body is helping your mind remember. Then take a picture so that the picture is proof of that experience so that you can remember it, so that your children have it for their legacy books, and so that you have proof that you can do hard things that you can shift this experience of anxiety to one of being in the moment. 
And that totally changes the kind of photos that we have with our kids, right? Like I was thinking back as I was reading, I have hardly any photos of my mom and me together when we were little, unless it's like a very posed thing at a graduation or some holiday or something like that, where we're all lined up in a row looking at the camera. But the kind of pictures that you're talking about, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it was a thing when we were growing up, maybe, but... But yeah. these kind of pictures are totally different, right? It's It gives our kids those kind of anchors of our love for them, that we really did have joy when we were with them. Yeah. And I love how you brought up that, yeah, we weren't raised with with this kind of honest documentation of life, showing the struggle. That was actually shamed. And I write in the book in the 50s about how when Kodak came out with the first consumer-based camera, all of their marketing was pointed towards saying, make this a happy moment with a Kodak. This is a Kodak moment. This is for celebrations. And all of their marketing showed people smiling and around a birthday cake or in front of a Christmas tree, smiling with presents. And so the generation that raised us, we had to appear that way in photographs and anything other than that was unacceptable. Uh, And so this is really a shift of us getting back to what can authenticity in our family look like? How can we, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to take pictures of crying or sadness or things that are difficult, but it means that you don't shy away from documenting things that are real um, and, and to remind yourself that you don't need to share those pictures with anyone. We are in a world now that is constantly consuming the activities that we're doing and if the, and we're thinking about how are others perceiving this and so really this is a, a therapeutic rewind into how, what is this actually doing to nourish me and stopping thinking about how these photos are for anybody else right yeah i think in this Instagram world, right? It's so easy to get into that mindset, even if you're not an influencer or, you know, someone who has a big following, even if it's just for a handful of your friends, instead of having the experience, you're thinking, how can I showcase this experience so that my friends will be liking it and following it? Even if we're not consciously thinking that, I think the way social media messes with our brains, that mindset creeps in, whether we want it to or not. Well, yes, and we are rewarded for having pleasing looking images. It's a, we get a dopamine reward. And so it's been set up that way. And so we get to claim our family culture back around what it is to document presence. I always like to ask our Homeschool Compass community if they have any questions for our guests specifically. And we got a question from Elizabeth, which probably... A lot of people are thinking, this is a question frequently asked, how do you find time, joy for your business, for motherhood, for homeschooling, for all that you're doing? Okay, well, perfectionism is definitely something that I have fought. And so I talk in the, the goal is that we're shifting from thinking that things must be done perfectly. And instead, um, my editor, Stephanie Smith, she always talks about imperfect progress. And so um, 
as far as doing it all, it, that is not a thing. It, if there's anything that is known in my family, it's that mom is, you know, often inside of her head. <laughs> you know, I live a lot inside my head and that can be a real detriment. And so it's been, I, I write in the book a lot about my stress, about how hard it has been for me to regulate my stress. And I know that trying to do everything leads to complete and total burnout very quickly for me. I'm a highly sensitive person. Sound is really activating for me. Um, I have a lot of history of being raised by an abusive parent and I am uh, hypervigilant. There's so much happening with me. <laughs> I think a lot of us are uh, kind of on healing journeys of different kinds right now. Um, and so my husband and I have had to be very honest about what, how my bandwidth is much more limited than his is when it comes to the children. And so he, I don't think, I don't think anything can be, there's no way business, mom, work, all of that cannot be done if you're a single parent. So mad props to single mamas out there doing this because I don't know how you're doing it. You're amazing. Um, but my husband does carry the brunt of family life. And we have made decisions about the best way that I can support our family right now is to get out everything inside of me to the places where it needs to go. It needs to get out. And that right now is through my book and it's through different avenues. And then, you know, we go through seasons where I just can't give anymore in that way. And then we shift and I take more time with the kids. But instead of it being really specific about just schooling, I try to make it as creative and embodied of as experience as possible so that my time with the kids also feels like healing my inner child. So we have a creative perspective in the way that we balance things in our family. And it occurs to me as you're talking that it feels like you have a very integrated life where it's not everything siloed into these own little buckets where work is separate from mothering, which is separate from learning, and it's all divided yes. up neatly. You're living more of an authentic one-piece life. Mm -hmm. Yes, which also just means that we have to nourish ourselves well to be able to be so connected in so many ways as a family. <laughs> right. So I do have an office space separate from the house. So I will say that is a major necessity for me. <laughs> yes, that's very helpful. That makes sense. Oh, well, I feel like I could keep talking to you, Joy, for a hundred more hours, but I want to be respectful of your time. And I hope everybody grabs a copy of your book. If this conversation has resonated with you, there is so much there. There's so much more of your story, your beautiful poetry. We didn't even touch on that, but I especially loved the poems that you wrote and included and practical advice, not just for photography, but really for connecting to who we are and who we are made to be. So we'll definitely put links for everyone to check out your book and everything that you're doing. But do you have any final words of encouragement you'd like to share with the folks that are listening? <laughs> well, thank you for all of those kind words. I really appreciate it. And I think 
if I can leave the encouragement with anyone, it's that the things that you are focusing on, that you find beautiful, they are necessary for your survival. And I hope that you feel encouraged and empowered to bring your children along in your journey of seeking beauty that nourishes you. And um, yeah, just, I think letting your children learn from you in ways that are not just quote unquote schooling, <laughs> seeing the way that you handle the feelings of life and that is where you can put your energy of trying to figure out how to balance things there. <laughs> um, but let them observe you and then also let them teach you what they are learning too. Well, where can people okay. find you, Joy, if they would like to learn more from you? I know you have a lot of things beyond just the book. Yes, I do one-on-one -on -one mentoring, and I also have group coaching programs that are for creative women entrepreneurs. Um, and Instagram is the place. So at Joy Proudy on Instagram, that is where you can find me. Or joyproudy.com is my website. So <laughs> thank you, Amy. Oh, you're welcome. Thank <laughs> you, Joy. you friends for listening today. I hope you were encouraged by that conversation. You can check out the show notes page at homeschoolcompass.com slash podcast for links to Joy's book, as well as all the ways you can connect with her. If you're new to the show, we'd love for you to hit subscribe or follow in your podcast player so you don't miss any of our upcoming conversations. And if you found the show helpful, please do hit those five stars in your podcast player and type in a quick review. That helps the algorithms know that this is a show worth sharing. So thank you to all of you who have done that. We are so grateful to each one of you for listening. If you know someone who would be encouraged by this conversation, we would be so honored if you would share it with them. But until next time, as you walk this homeschool path, remember you are loved and you are not alone.